0: Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to Get Your GOAT. Your host, Josh, here today talking about the Chiefs blowing their lead 21 3. I'm going to talk about that and why they blew it, what's next for them. Then I also watched the San Francisco 49ers do the same thing. Shocked. Two teams blew halftime leads, and fourth quarter leads, what's next for them, just a quick preview at the Super Bowl, then go into a couple of coaching uh, hires slash considerations as well, then I will wrap up with my top five teams right now in the NBA and in college basketball. But first, I want to get to the news of Tom Brady. Is he retiring? I don't know. It was reported on Saturday that he was a retiring. Got that uh, notification right away on my phone, and I was defeated. It was not good for me. I still, as I said last week, cannot fathom a league where there is no Tom Brady. And I illustrate it like this is that I know that, you know, the NFL is going to be just fine without Tom Brady. It was just fine before Tom Brady. But to me, he had one of the biggest impacts on the game of NFL. A generational icon worldwide, much like how Michael Jordan was for the NBA, Tom Brady was for the NFL. So I equate it like this. The Marvel Universe. I love Marvel movies. I love the MCU. I love Easter eggs, references, any bit of fan service. It's all enjoyable for me. And my favorite character in the Marvel Universe is Tony Stark. So when he died, it tore me apart emotionally. But guess what? The MCU... Has done just fine without Tom Brady. I miss him, but it has done just fine without Tony Stark, you know, Robert Downey Jr., you know, WandaVision, Loki, Black Widow, uh, Spider Man The no Way Home have all been great, and there's been no Tony Stark. Tom Brady is like Tony Stark. He's the GOAT, and he's in to retire, and the NFL is going to do just fine without him. We got Joe Burrow now. Joe Burr, we got Josh Allen, uh, Patrick Mahomes. uh, So the NFL is in good hands. So I'm not going to go into a celebration of Tom Brady yet, because like I said, it was reported, but not confirmed. Tom Brady uh, said he didn't even tell the Buccaneers about his decision. Says it's not close. His dad said the same thing. So we still don't know for sure. I'm pretty sure he's leaning towards it, you know, probably a timing issue, but I'll get into a full Tom Brady episode, The Goat when it's its due time. But I just want to say these records because there's still some people out there that says you know Tom Brady is not the goat, and that there's been other players uh, better in their careers, well Tom Brady has the most uh records to his name most super bowls most mvps we know all that but let's just take a look at those records if somebody wants to say he's not the greatest quarterback ever or player these are regular season records most passes attempted brady 11317 number 2 is drew brees a thousand below him most passes completed tom brady 7263 drew brees is behind him a 100 100 less Most passes uh, completed in a season, Brady completed 485 passes, an NFL record in his final season, if it is, past Drew Brees. Most passing yards gained for a career, Brady, 84,520, 4,000 ahead of Drew Brees. Most touchdown passes, career, 624 touchdown passes to Drew Brees, 571. Most games started at quarterback, Tom Brady at 316, Brett Favre is number two. Most games is a winning quarterback. Brady wins 243 games. Number two is a tie with Peyton Manning and Brett Favre. Postseason records, this is where it stands out. Most games, Tom Brady, 47. Most games is a winning quarterback. Brady has 35 postseason game wins. More than like 29 other franchises. Most passes attempted career postseason. Brady, number one. Most passes completed career. Brady, number one, highest completion percentage in a game in a postseason. That belongs to Tom Brady at a clip of 92.9%. Most yards gained in a postseason career. Brady, 13,049 yards. Number two is Peyton Manning at 7,000. That's almost half. Doubled him up. Most yards gained in a game. Brady threw for 505 yards in a Super Bowl, most ever in any postseason game. Most 300-yard passing games. Brady at 18, the closest to Peyton Manning at 9, so again, double. Most career touchdown passes. Tom Brady at 86, Aaron Rodgers, number two, at 46. Again, almost doubled. Most touchdown passes in a game. Brady has actually tied for that record at 6 uh, with Steve Young. And Gerald LaMonica. Super Bowl records. Here we go. Tom Brady's played in the most Super Bowls at 10. Most games as a winning team. Brady's won a record seven Super Bowls. Most passes attempted his career in the Super Bowl 421 in a game. He threw 62 passes, which was an NFL record against the epic comeback against the Falcons. Most passes completed. Tom Brady, 43 again, the Falcons. Number two is also Brady. Most consecutive completions in a game in a Super Bowl. Tom Brady has that record of 16 consecutive passes completed. Most yards gained in a career Super Bowl. Brady, 3,030. Most yards gained in a game. Again, Tom Brady, 505 yards against the Eagles. Most touchdown passes in his career. 21 touchdown passes. Most attempts without an interception. Brady, 48 passes without an interception. Again, all these records, clearly tells me that Brady is the GOAT. So I tip my hat to Patrick Mahomes, who I think is a great football talent, great quarterback. But as he said yesterday, there's a reason why Tom is the GOAT. Because getting to the Super Bowl, let alone winning it, is very hard. And he had to experience yet another painful loss yesterday. So he gave credit to The GOAT, because Tom Brady actually had a higher percentage of making it to the conference championship game in his lifetime than completing a pass. Don't tell me how it's possible, but it's possible, and it was that way with Tom Brady. Now getting into yesterday's games. Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. Talked about this last week. I said the Chiefs was win would win. I was wrong, but I gave the Cincinnati Bengals a legitimate shot. I said this game would be very close, closer, you know, than the Niners Rams games. I said the Bengals to me had the better chance to win. They could pull off the upset, and they did. Congratulations to the Cincinnati Bengals. But it shouldn't have been that way. The Kansas City Chiefs. Should have won this game, and man, did they lay an egg in the second half. Let me tell you this. Kansas City, their really their whole first half, it looked like a continuation of where they left off against the Bills. Uh, That's how flawless they were playing. Mahomes completing every pass. Uh, Great first drive that they have. Touchdown to Tyreek Hill at 7-0. Then the Bengals. Answer with a field goal. What do the Chiefs do? They march right down the field. A methodical a drive. Uh, take time off the clock. And they're sitting at a 14-3 to lead. Now with a touchdown. Bengals have to punt. And then the Chiefs, another nice big play touchdown drive where they're just marching down the field, getting whatever they want. Running the football, doing screens to McKinnon, Tyreek, Kels, all getting involved. They get a touchdown. They're up 21-3 to three with five minutes to go in the second quarter. It's looking like a blowout. Watching it with my family, and we're like, this game's about to be over. It's going to be 50 points scored. You know, it's let's just do whatever we want now. The game's over. And I'm thinking to myself, I've seen this story before. I've seen comeback stories, you know, last week, you know, the epic comeback, you know, Tom Brady. And I compared Joe Burrow a little bit to Tom Brady-esque. And I said, you know, the Bengals, they've come back from a deficit before. It actually beat the same Chiefs team. It's not over yet. I think you guys are trying to jinx the Chiefs here. Lo and behold, what happens? Bengals score a touchdown. It's 21-10. to 10. Now the Chiefs have a minute left, and you're thinking, that's loads of time. The Chiefs scored with 13 seconds left last week. Surely they can score and march down the field again, and they do just that. They're marching down the field, and they have the ball at the Cincinnati one-yard line with nine seconds left. No timeouts. What do they do? The Patrick's Mahomes scrambles out of it. You know, just get straight to the ball. So there's five seconds left. And I'm thinking to myself, just get the points. Get in there with the 14-point lead. And don't give the Bengals any momentum. What do they do? Patrick Mahomes wants to go for it. Says, let's seal the game. So what does he do? He throws kind of like a screen pass a two Tyreek Hill that gets blown up. They stop him. And there's a couple things wrong with that play. Because now he's in bounds. No timeouts. End of the half. 21-10, and Cincinnati has all the momentum at that point. They scored the touchdown, and they just stopped Tyreek Hill. They stopped the knockout punch. A couple things wrong. One, I'll fault Mahomes with, you know, you need to know the timeout situation there. He thought they had one more timeout, so when Tyreek Hill got tackled, he put the tee up. But they had no more timeouts. They already used two-bed drive. And Andy Reid used one earlier on a botch challenge. So that's what happened with him. And if you're Andy Reid, I love the gutsy play calling, uh, trusting Mahomes. But as a head coach, you've got to say, hey, I want to go in with points. You've got to have the courage to say, hey, Patrick Mahomes, I'm the head coach. We want the points in this situation. You know, we can't give them, you know, an extra possession or do anything stupid. Uh, to allow that mentality to come back into the game. So I'll fault both of them. So the score is 21-10, Kansas City at halftime. And that was actually the same uh, deficit. It was week 17 when the Chiefs were up and the Bengals stormed back and won that game. So would the outcome be different? No, it wouldn't. Or, yeah, no, it wouldn't. Kansas City. Does absolutely nothing in the third quarter. Punts the ball right away. Bengals don't do anything. Chiefs get it back. They don't do anything. Bengals, you know, settle for a field goal. Kansas City gets stopped yet again. And Cincinnati, you know, driving down gets a touchdown. Jamar Chase is left one on one in the end zone. Uh I know there's always this Graphic, graphic that goes around, you know, at the one-yard line, and you kind of have, you know, two Saints players guarding Megatron. That's how I would be with Jamar Chase. I do not leave Jamar Chase single-covered, especially not in the end zone over Fenton or whatever his name is, that clearly can't make a play, and Jamar Chase is just too athletic, too strong, too good for that kind of defense. So if they get the touchdown, and then they run a beautiful two-point conversion play uh, where uh, Trent Taylor is just wide open in the flat. And it's 21-21 now going into the fourth quarter. Everything is going the Bengals' way. You had Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, throw a dopey interception that thankfully resulted only in a field goal, but still bad throw by uh, Patrick Mahomes throwing it to the wrong hill. Wasn't Tyreek. So now the Bengals are alive in this game. It's 21-21. I'm thinking to myself, the Bengals are really going to win this game. So a couple back and forth. Then the Bengals have a six-minute drive and only wind up with a field goal at that point. So then the Chiefs, they answer with another long drive themselves. Very are going in and then something crazy happens. You know, uh, the announcers are talking about, you know, do you let them score to give Joe Barroba a clock left? And you're like, no, you play defense here. And the Cincinnati Bengals defense, just tremendous in the second half. Trey Hen- Hendrickson, Sam Heber- Hubbard, uh, Bell, Awuzy, they're just tremendous, flat out, played their hearts out. And Kansas City has the ball at like first and goal at the 70-yard line, and you stop them. And then third and goal, you fourth Patrick Mahomes, to like the 20-yard line, you stack him, he fumbles the ball with around 15 seconds left. Thankfully, he recovers it, but he almost lost the game. There's a point uh, where Patrick Mahomes takes too much risks. There's a reason why Tom Brady has uh, as many Super Bowls as he does. He takes some risks, takes the deep shots, but he doesn't, you know, of course he doesn't have the ability to scramble in the pocket like Patrick Mahomes does. But it gets to a point where you just have to throw the ball away and not cost your team anything. He almost cost his team the game right there on that route. Thankfully, Butker kicked the field goal. Now we're going into overtime. And, of course, no team in postseason has won back-to-back overtime games. But the Chiefs won the coin toss. So you think, oh, this is just a rerun of last week. Kansas City's going to come down, score, and win. But the Bengals' defense stands up again. Eli Apple should have had a pick six on second down, and he didn't. Then Patrick Mahomes does the unthinkable, throws it to Tyreek Hill in double coverage. Picked off. They run it back. And then, as we know, the Bengals, nice mix of throw to T. Higgins, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon. Sets him up in field goal range. McPherson knocks the 27-yarder. And the Bengals go to the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes. Great first half. High QBR. High passer rating. Uh, I think it was, his passer rating was around like 140 passer rating. Second half? 12. 12. Ended the game with a QBR of 40.8 and a passer rating of 91. Point three, cousin of an abysmal second half, uh where he did not look good. You know, second half plus overtime, two interceptions. The play calling wasn't good. I thought Clyde Edwards Alaire was a good running back, and they didn't use him enough. They relied too much on uh, McKinnon down there as well. Of uh, the Bengals, you know Joe Burrow, fantastic game. You know a lower passer rating than. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, but a higher QBR than him. He had two touchdowns, 250 yards. Joe Mixon, they continued to run it, even when it wasn't the most efficient day running the football. 88 yards on 21 carries. That's something you respect. T. Higgins was involved a lot. Six receptions, 103 yards. Jamar Chase, same six receptions of 54 yards. I mean, congratulations to the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, to Joe Burrow for this team because Joe Burrow, he's that guy. He's a winner. He was a winner at LSU uh, where he took his team to the national championship. And this is his full, first full year healthy. In a lot of other sports, he technically be a rookie still when you miss that much time your rookie season and he only play you know, five or six games and you're out the whole year with a torn ACL. So to come back like that in this year, it is just a tremendous, tremendous accomplishment for the Cincinnati Bengals, who have a second-year quarterback, but to me, essentially a rookie, to win this game. Jamar Chase, your rookie, rookie wide receiver. Evan McPherson, your rookie field goal kicker, who looks like the second coming of uh, Justin Tucker. For goodness sakes, that guy just does not miss uh, right now, he is Mr. Automatic. Uh, he is great, looking like Robbie Gold of a postseason. I mean, this Bengals team is legit. And the offensive line held intact, but Joe Burrow also made some incredible plays. Joe Burrow was sacked nine times last week. Yesterday, Joe Burrow was sacked once. Just once. Uh. He broke out of, you know, the sacks that they gave him on one. Chris Jones had him in the backfield, couldn't do anything. Then, you know, escapes when he dives to him as well uh, and runs the first down. I mean, Joe Burrow is electric, is athletic. This is a good team. To me, it has a team of destiny sort of feel to him where they just play for one another. They're a great team. This is a fun team to watch. They're electric. I just don't have enough good things to say about the Cincinnati Bengals because they deserve to be in a Super Bowl. They aren't fluky or lucky or anything like that. They stick in the game. Uh They play their hearts out. They play the right way. Uh, and they earn their ticket to the Super Bowl. Congratulations to the Cincinnati Bengals. Now time for the night game where I picked the San Francisco 49ers to win this game and another team that just stunk up a joint in the fourth quarter. Both teams high on emotions and I'm still, I'm having a hard time coming to grips with this game more than the Chiefs and the Bengals. The Niners, as everyone knows, you know, won six straight coming into this game. Uh, They were the team, you know, that won nine of their past 11 games. They beat this same team. Week 18, to make it to the playoffs, this same atmosphere. And there was a lot of 49er fans yesterday there at SoFi Stadium. So, what happens in this game? Well, Rams start out. punt, Bad possession there by uh, Matthew Stafford uh, on third down. Bad throw. Same with Jimmy G on the next possession. He has a wide open George Kittle on third down. Wide open. And if George Kittle trucks the safety, makes a move on him, it might be a touchdown. George Kittle might break it home free. And Jimmy G overthrows him. Inexcusable throw. You cannot overthrow George Kittle in that situation. So now you punt it back to the Rams. Rams have it. They march down the field. And Matthew Stafford does what he does best. He throws an interception, a bad throw, that gets deflected. And when that happens, it's an interception for the Niners. But the Niners can't do anything with it. They punt the ball, and they down it at the Los Angeles 3. But the Rams have their best possession in of this season. 18 plays, 97 yards, touchdown pass to Cooper Cup. They leave them wide open. Took a page out of a Buccaneers book last week and you know just left one of the best wide receivers in football right now open. But that is of no concern because... The Niners have Debo Samuel and and ensuing drive. Jimmy G, just a little harmless screen for Debo. That looks like it'll pick up, you know, five, ten yards, maybe the first down. And Debo explodes and gets the touchdown. This guy is just athletic as ever. So there you go. Debo uh, gets the touchdown. Rams then miss a field goal. And then the Niners make their field goal. Robbie Gold. Stays perfect, and it's 10-7 at halftime. And I'm liking it because even though this hasn't been the typical 49ers hard-rushing attack time of possession, they are still leading the game at 10-7, and they get the ball to start halftime. So I'm actually I'm feeling confident about the Niners. Uh, but they pump the ball. Then the Rams have the ball, and they have a turnover on downs. Sean McVay, very peculiar challenge on a fourth down where, to me, there is no evidence to kind of overturn of the spot there. So he loses a challenge there, and the Niners answer with a touchdown. And it is to 17-7, uh, and we are now heading into the fourth quarter. And I think a 10-point lead for this Niners team, they can hold on to the ball They can just win this game, and I can be happy that at least the Rams don't have to make it to the Super Bowl. But nope. Yet again, they leave Cooper Cup wide wide open. They get a touchdown, and now it's a three-point game. Then the Niners have to punt, and the Rams drive down, kick a field goal. And then a 3 and out just a bad drive by Jimmy G. And then the Rams get a field goal. But I'm not bothered. A minute 20 is left on the clock, and I think Jimmy G, same story. Week 18 has done this. they got more timeouts this time, and all you-know-what breaks loose. Von Miller coming off the edge. Aaron Donald decides to wake up from his 58-minute nap that he took this game, and there he goes, uh, pressures him. Jimmy G throws a... Carson Wentz-type pass, a Kyler Murray-type pass, a Matthew Stafford-type pass. Obviously, he was watching too much Matthew Stafford tape, which he shouldn't have, or else he wouldn't have thrown that ball. And he just tries to get rid of it when he got sacked. And it wasn't the worst throw ever from that angle. The receiver had a play on the ball. It goes right through his hands, and it's picked off. And the game is over at that point. And the Niners went, and I'm thinking to myself, how? How does this happen? Uh Kyle Shanahan yet again blows a fourth quarter lead. Wind this clock back two years ago. He had the twenty to ten lead on the Chiefs in the fourth quarter on the Super Bowl. Lost the game. You hearken back all the way to twenty uh sixteen with the uh what's it called? The Atlanta Falcons and the New England Patriots, 28-3 lead, blew that game. So those definitely come flooding back to memory, a game you could have won. But you did not stick uh, to the running game at all, you know, to what you do best. You guys did not stick firm to your beliefs of running it with Elijah Mitchell to Debo Samuel. I thought Jimmy G threw the ball too much, and he was decent, you know, 232 yards, two touchdowns. But again, you put the ball in his hands too much uh, when you have a great running attack in Elijah Mitchell and uh, Debo Samuel there. So now the Niners are out. The Rams won the Super Bowl, and it's just terrible. Uh, It is just bad that they had to win this game. Now they get a home Super Bowl, but it's also kind of nice because, you know, the Rams kind of have, like, no fans at all. Uh, It was evident yesterday by the Niners taking over SoFi. Yet again, how little Rams fans that there are in this universe. And it just, the Rams organization just makes me sick. A bunch of free-loading ring chasers that just hop on, the uh, wagon, and hope to get carried uh, by Cooper Cup, who just makes plays after the catch. That's all he does. He just gets wide open in space. I've never seen a guy get that wide open before in my life. It's shocking to me. Yeah, he does that, and it just makes me sick. This whole team, uh, Aaron Donald, holding up his ring finger, pointing at it like he's going to get a ring. I don't know. I don't know that much about Aaron Donald. Heck, I don't even know if he's married or not or has a ring on Singer. He may not have no rings, uh, at all, but guess what? You're ringless. You've never won a Super Bowl. I don't know. I don't know what that means. You've been to a Super Bowl before and guess what? You got goaded by Tom Brady. Was it his best Super Bowl? No, I'll admit that. But guess what? The Patriots still won that game. You went home crying and empty handed. Now, guess what? You're not getting a ring. You make me sick. Jalen Ramsey makes me sick, who's not a good cornerback, who gets beat constantly, and we say he's one of the best. No, he drops interceptions like he did yesterday. Uh, He is not a top-level cornerback. This is a sad team, sad fan base, and I really do hope that the Cincinnati Bengals win this game. So just a quick preview of the Super Bowl. My early gut pick, my early heart pick, my early everything pick. I'm picking the Cincinnati Bengals to win this game. He's Tom Brady-esque. He is. You want to call him Joe Bo, or Joe Burr, Joe Shiesty, J-Bo? It don't matter. He's that guy, Joe Cool, Joe Burrow. Is a top five quarterback in the league. Joe Burrow is better than Matthew Stafford. I'll take him over Matt any day of the week. Joe Burrow is the calm, cool, collected leader of the Cincinnati Bengals. This guy, what's his name, Joe Burrow? He did what Matthew Stafford did. Never could do. What did he do? Joe Burrow took a helpless, terrible franchise in the Cincinnati Bengals who hadn't won a playoff game in 30 years and made them relevant again. That's what Joe Burrow did. He did what Matt Stafford never could. Matt Stafford was in the same situation for a long time as Joe Burrow. Helpless franchise in the Detroit Lions. Didn't always have a great offensive line. But guess what for some years he had Calvin Johnson Jr. uh he had a Reggie Bush and those guys he had a top defense at one time with Nadon Kong soon Nick Daly DeAndre Levy what could he do he choked under pressure he could not do it he cannot lift the Detroit franchise up what does Joe Burrow do he's got weapons Jamar Chase uh As well, he's got a decent defense. He's got a terrible offensive line. Matt Stafford did. But what does Joe Burrow do? He makes plays constantly. Joe Burrow is that guy that Matt Stafford could never be. That's why he left. That's why he went to the Rams uh, right there. And guess what? Joe Burrow is going to be smoking that cigar February 13th with his diamond chains on because he is that guy. He is the winner. He is the face of a franchise. To me, he's very reminiscent of last year and Giannis, where he took a franchise that hasn't won in 50 years, the Milwaukee Bucks, to an NBA title. He didn't go get traded to a big organization like the Lakers or the Heat, sign in the offseason like he could have. No, he said he wanted to win one in Milwaukee. He delivered on his promise. Joe Burrow. Is that guy. Give me Joe Burrow. Give me the Cincinnati Bengals. Because right now, I'm picking the Bengals. Uh, More thoughts on this game later. But my initial reaction is Joe Burrow. In the Bengals. So what's next for this Chiefs team. That lost in the divisional round. The goal should be to just retool. You are right there on the cusp of going to yet a third straight Super Bowl with the likes of Jim Kelly, Tom Brady's of the world, and you came up short. So you have to retool. Uh, offense was fine second half of the season. Defense was great. Tyron Matthew, the honey badger is a free agent. I would definitely say, you know, signing him is a priority. So that's something. I would get done this offseason, uh, sign him. But, you know, just reach will make little adjustments to the roster where you see fit, but not changing much because, hey, this is a good team. And you're in a competitive conference. Like I said, you've got Joe Burrow, who has arrived. Josh Allen, who's tremendous. Justin Herbert as well. Uh, they've got legitimate talent in that conference right there. Patrick Mahomes is going to have a tough test. He's just going to have to be the best quarterback for 60 minutes in the playoffs every single year. That's what it's going to come down to. Now, what about the Niners? Well, it's a quarterback situation. Defense is just fine if D'Amico Ryans stays, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead. Maybe secondary help, uh, but quarterback is the big thing, Uh, of course. Jimmy G, one year left on his contract. You know, twenty five million. You trade him. You already drafted Trey Lance, a successor. It seems obvious, but just having a more clear cut answer and saying, "Hey, can we win without Jimmy G?" Because with Jimmy G, this is a winning franchise who goes to championship games, goes to Super Bowl. Who's like thirty one and ten is when you know with Jimmy G. Without Jimmy G, you're like eight and thirty. So the stats are there. To help Jimmy G's case. So do the 49ers feel good enough moving on from Jimmy G and moving forward with Trey Lance? That'll be the biggest question for the 49ers this offseason. Then the Las Vegas Ride Ra- or Las Vegas Raiders hire Josh McDaniels, and to me, it was a stunning move. Uh McDaniels, a longtime offensive coordinator with Bill Belichick at the New England Patriots, was there for a few years, you know, left to become the Broncos head coach, didn't work out. So then he spent the last decade, decade again, with Bill Belichick, uh, winning some Super Bowls, and now he goes to the Las Vegas Raiders. I think it's a great hire who is definitely, you know, a great offensive mind, and I thought, you know, this was going to be a guy who just, stays an offensive coordinator for Belichick as long as he is living. Uh, But that's not the case. I think Versace did an amazing job. The Raiders players were all in on him. So it's going to be up to Josh McDaniels uh, to get the locker room behind him and still a tough culture in there. Maybe not as tough as Bill Belichick, but a hard culture in there, you know, with respect because after – The things that happened with Arnett and Henry Ruggs this year, you're going to need a leader as a coach in that locker room. that motivates the players who can take Derek Carr uh, to the next level as well. So Josh McDaniels has his work cut out for him, but I think he is the right man for that Las Vegas Raiders job. Then is Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan. Jim Harbaugh interviewed with the Vikings before uh, the conference championship game Saturday night. But then there was reports of, could he take the Dolphins' job? So to me, it looks like Jim Harbaugh is leaving Michigan one way or the other, uh, going to the NFL. I think he is. So what would be the more attractive destination, the Vikings or the Dolphins? I think if Jim Harbaugh were to leave, it should be the Vikings, not the Dolphins. If it is the Dolphins, just stay in Michigan until something else opens up that you desire more. Vikings are the better team that you should go to even if the Dolphins had the better record this past year. Why do I say you should go to the Vikings? You have to take it more to account just this coming year, you have to take into account, you know, the next one to five years and everything like that. And you have to factor into, hey, you have a good offense. You got Justin Jefferson, top five wide receiver. You got Adam Thielen. You got Dalvin Cook, who's a tremendous running back, a decent old line You got Conard as Kirk as your quarterback. So that could be the only thing of debate, you know, trade him, what do you do with him? Jim Harbaugh, and then on the defensive side of the football as well. Uh, Again, not the best defense. Secondary that gets burned a lot. Front seven that's kind of inconsistent. So you have things there, but you also look at, hey, we can draft this. We can sign free agents. Jim Harbaugh can build around what is already there. And you look at his division. You look at the Lions, who historically have not been good. Uh, But I do think they're turning it around with Dan Campbell you got the Bears and Justin Fields. I think he will be better with what uh, Coach Vage signed from a Colts, their uh, defensive coordinator. And then you have the Packers. And if Aaron Rodgers leaves, and even if he doesn't leave, you have to imagine he aims, he's not playing until he's 44. He only has two or three years left. So he's not going to be there to dominate the division for the next 10 years or so. So you got to like your chances, and this is a team that – historically has had, you know, given some packers some problems. Then you look at the Dolphins. Dolphins have a lot of talent. A big, decent offensive line. They've got weapons and uh Gaskin and Jalen Waddle and, you know, them quarterback, you know, kinda like Kirk. Is he the guy into a defense, vicious defense? Xavier in the front seven. I mean this defense turned around in the second half. But then you look at the division and the output. Jets, you know, Arbor Jets, you can basically just write them off as a franchise, just total laughing stock. You look at the Patriots, they still got Del Belichick. I know you beat them twice, but is this a guy you really want to go against twice a year? Matt Jones looks like he's their guy. This is a team that'll still be around. And then you got the Buffalo Bills, who are the class of the AFC East right now. Uh, Josh Allen, just terrific to find Diggs and Cole Beasley and crew. Uh, up and coming defense who was number one, but not the strongest number one defense we've ever seen. So I don't know if you leave that where Buffalo might be at the top for the next 10 years, much like the Patriots for the class of a division for 20 years. I don't know if I'll give the Bills that long of supremacy. But they're going to be here a while. The Patriots are still here. So if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I'm looking at my options. Both of them aren't the best options. I think that's why he didn't go to the Raiders. You know, There was a lot of early reports. I think he thought, do I want to deal with Patrick Mahomes twice a year? They're the class of a division. Do I want to deal with Justin Herbert twice a year? Now we'll see with the Broncos. So the Raiders' job, you know, to me by the minute was getting – Less and less enticing, Vikings and Dolphins are. I don't know if you have a right fit for Jim. If he just wants to leave Michigan, if he just wants to go to the NFL, just do it. I think college football is better when Jim Harbaugh is at Michigan and Michigan's a good team. Uh, I don't think that's a personal bias. I just think that it is. So I think he should stay at Michigan. I don't think those are the most too attractive job offers he'll find. You know, it seems like there's openings every single year. You know, you might find one uh, next year as well that, you know, might better suit you. So I think if Jim wants to go, go. But if you want to stay, I think you have a better shot of winning a college football title right now than you do having winning a Super Bowl with the Vikings or uh, the Dolphins. Now... Moving on to the NBA, where I'm going to give you my top five teams in the NBA right now. Number five, the Milwaukee Bucks. Why? They're a great team. And I know they have some like scary losses every now and then to the Cavs. But when they're on, they're on. With Giannis, Drew, Chris Middleton all on the floor, this team is brilliant. They show up in prime time. They show up in big games. Uh, I just have a hard time picking against Milwaukee when they're both so sound offensively and sound defensively. The key has been you know, getting the lineup healthy and together. But when everybody's on the floor, this spells trouble for almost every single team in the NBA. They're a legitimate threat to yet again come out of the East this is a great team in the Milwaukee Bucks. Number four, the Miami Heat. Why? This is another great team. Won seven of their past ten, good offensively with Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero. You know, they got the leadership of Kyle Lowry. But Bam Adebayo's return from his kind of injury stint, and they've been better defensively. Gives them the ability to kind of switch in multiple positions and levels. Bam elevates this team defensively, and now they have the number one seed in the uh, East. I think they're the number one team at the East in this moment, and I said at the beginning of the season, don't write out the Heat. Again, a team that, when they're healthy, presents issues, and again has had a team that has given Giannis some problems the past few years. So I could definitely see this as an Eastern Conference Finals previews with the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks. Number three, the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are on just a tear right now. Uh, what's his name? Uh, John Morant is on an MVP uh, level himself right now, averaging 26 uh, points a game, uh, seven assists, shooting 50% from the floor. I mean, Memphis, Ja is that guy. Highlight real dunk, it seems like, every night. Uh, Desmond Baines playing great. Uh, Jaron Jackson as well. This is a great young athletic team. It's scoring a lot of points. Uh, that gets it done. They've won seven of their past ten as well. They've won three in a row. This is a good, young, Grizzly team. They're here to stay uh, for a while. Number two, the Golden State Warriors had a little rough stretch there, but now they have won five in a row, seven of their past ten. They're weathering the absence of Draymond Green. Uh, they've won, you know, six and one of their past uh, home games. They just beat the Brooklyn Nets in an epic game uh, right there, even with Curry. In a bit of a shooting slump, they are still winning games, which is good news for them if they can weather the absence of Draymond Green. Steph breaks out of his slump. This is still one of the most, if not the most, dangerous teams in the NBA. Number one team, by default, is the Phoenix Suns. They're 40-9. and nine. They've won 10 in a row. It just seems like they have current long winning streaks on long winning streaks. Won like, 18 or 19 earlier this year, now they've won 10 in a row. And so they've been a lot of close games. They're not blowing anybody out. Uh, Was close last night against the Spurs. Timberwolves hung on against them. Same with the Jazz a couple games before. So, to me, they're not, you know, have a huge point differential, let's say, like the Golden State Warriors right now. But they're a good team. Again, I don't think... You know, when it's all said and done, they're going to win the NBA Finals. But the Phoenix Warriors or the Phoenix Suns are a good team. Chris Paul leading the league in assists has been good. Devin Booker as well. Uh, terrific backcourt. And they get key contributions uh, from Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson, DeAndre Aiden, Jay Crowder. So a very well-balanced team uh, that they have. So that's my top five NBA teams, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Miami Heat, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Golden State Warriors, and the Phoenix Suns. Tonight, I'm going to be picking one game, and that is the Heat and the Celtics. I'm picking the Heat. Number one team in the East facing the Celtics, who have been wildly inconsistent this year. Jason Tatum's been good, Jalen Brown, but they're just not that good to take on the Heat. I have the Heat winning uh, tonight. And again, I think the NBA should flex their games. The Heat-Celtics is what they're showing me tonight on television, on NBA TV. But you have to look at, is there any better matchups? Oh, yes, there is. What's a better matchup? The Memphis Grizzlies are playing the Philadelphia 76ers tonight. Memphis is number three in their conference. Same with Philadelphia. John Morant MVP conversation. Joel Embiid, don't tell me uh, you'd rather watch the Heat and Celtics than the Grizzlies 76ers if you're just an average casual NBA fan. That's the way to go. 76ers, Grizzlies should definitely be the game on. But since it's not, I'm rolling with the Heat. But I'll definitely have my game cast on the Grizzlies and the Sixers. Now... I'm going to finish up with my college basketball top five since I haven't done a list in a while. And can you believe it? We only only have like one month left of college basketball. We only have February left, and it's March Madness. And I feel like I've barely watched any college basketball this season just because college football for me was so good, and the NFL has just been exhilarating. You know, though there's one game left, and I'll have to again turn my attention to NBA college basketball. But I'll give you my top five teams in college basketball right now at the moment. Number five, the Duke Blue Devils. Three losses to their name. They just beat Louisville in a great game. They edged out Clemson. So this is a team that is winning. Uh, They're at 17 and three as well. Uh, They're making headway in Coach K uh, final year tonight. They play Notre Dame in what should be a very good game Uh, But Palo Banchero is kind of their guy. Wendell Moore, uh, this Duke team, uh, is for real. Number four, the Purdue Boilermakers. Another great team yesterday. Pulled off a win against Ohio State. Hung on to win. Last second three by Ivy. Just tremendous. Tremendous player. Malin Gills. I mean, this Purdue team. Didn't give them a lot of credit beginning of the season. Thought Michigan was the class of the Big Ten. They obviously fell off a cliff this year and Purdue was a team. If you didn't pick Michigan, the other experts were picking Purdue. Purdue is a one to stay. They are a tremendous team right now. Again, it's seventeen or eighteen and three. Number three, the UCLA Bruins, you know, they've dealt with their doubts of COVID. They had to play three games this week. They won all three by a large margin. First, they faced a top three team in the Arizona Wildcats. They beat them. They then blew the doors off California and Stanford. So that UCLA over Arizona win was big. Gave Arizona their second loss. Definitely have UCLA moving up above Arizona. That was a tremendous win uh, for the Bruins there. Number two. The Gonzaga Bulldogs, you know, haven't been tested a lot lately, which is fine with them because they've been winning by big margins there, you know, and now uh, they only have eight games left and they could definitely finish with only two losses on their resume. Which takes me to the number one team. Auburn Tigers are number one. Only one loss so far this season. Auburn's been great. Coach Bruce Pearl as well has this team locked in. Just got a nice contract. Jabari Smith, Wendell Green. Uh, this team it can play. They're tremendous uh, right now, both offensively and defensively. This is a team that I like and I think can make some noise here. So those are my top five teams in college basketball. Duke, Purdue, UCLA, Gonzaga, and Auburn. So this has been Get Your Goat. Who do you have winning the Super Bowl right now? The Rams or the Bengals? More will be discussed of that matchup later. Talk to you guys soon, everybody. Bye.